0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you here. Um, we are continuing with our series on the parables of Jesus. And today we are thinking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. But I want to start with a true story. During the men's 26 mile tandem kayak world championships of 1990, the Danish team were leading the race when they damaged part of their kayak during a scheduled land transfer. The British team, who were in second place at the time, actually stopped to help the Danes fix their kayak and they lost vital time in doing so. And the Danes actually then went on to win the race by one second in an event that lasted almost three hours. Following this amazing example of sportsmanship, the British crew were awarded the Pierre de Coubertin International Fair Play trophy. Because they sacrificed their chance of a gold medal in order to help another team who they were competing against. They didn't have to do that. They could have gone on to claim the victory. They could have kayaked right on past the Danish team. But I wonder how they would have felt afterwards knowing that they'd had the power to help, but they actually did nothing. So, today, we're looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is the story of a man who also showed great courage and compassion in stopping to help someone when it would have been easier just to carry on past. It's a very famous parable. It's taught in Sunday schools and secular schools all around the world. I have taught it myself. I've done drama with six-year-olds. It's fantastic. And I expect most people in the UK at least, whether they would consider themselves to be a Christian or not, would probably be able to explain the story and the morals behind it. It is so embedded into human culture that the phrase Good Samaritan has its own dictionary definition, which is one who voluntarily renders aid to another in distress, although under no duty to do so. Think about the organisation here in the UK, the Samaritans, which is all about helping people. Their website states, we're here day or night for anyone who is struggling to cope, who needs someone to listen without judgment or pressure. And our own Operation Christmas Child initiative that we're thinking about this year, filling shoeboxes, their umbrella organisation, their parent organisation is called Samaritans Purse. And they provide spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world in the name of Jesus. So the world recognises that the word Samaritan is synonymous with someone who brings help and comfort. So let's have a look at this parable. We're going to read today, it's in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live So Jesus tells this story to illustrate what it means to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love love your neighbor as yourself. And to answer the question, which the man asked, who is my neighbor? In other words, who exactly am I expected to love? Who is it I should actually be helping? And maybe when the man asked the question, who is my neighbour, what he was hoping Jesus would say was, well, it's anyone you like, someone you count as a friend, someone you like to spend time with, someone you'd share a cup of tea or a pint with. Unfortunately, that's not the answer he got. This parable clearly shows that a neighbour in this context is anyone in need and whom we can help. One might think that to count as a neighbour, a person must be someone who shares our affinities, such as having the same values as us, or maybe being the same race, nationality or religion. In other words, anyone who's not considered to be our enemy. Yet by using the Samaritan as an example in this parable, Jesus puts that idea firmly to rest. The Samaritan certainly did not share affinities with the Jews. They were different in race, nationality, and religion, and there was huge animosity between them. Despite this, though, the Samaritans stopped to help somebody who would have been considered his enemy. Jesus is showing that our neighbors in the context of this story are those whom we least want to help, but helping them is something within our ability. So that helps to answer the question about who is my neighbour, but what else does this parable teach us? Well, it teaches us lots of things, and there are lots of angles at which to come at it from. But today, I want to focus on compassion. Right now, the world needs compassion. We're living at a time when many people around the world are suffering due to wars, conflicts economic issues, the ongoing effects of the global pandemic, climate change, and so on. Maybe you feel that there's very little that you can personally do to alleviate the global suffering, and you're probably right. But if we look a bit closer to home and think about our nation, those in our local communities, how about those people suffering at the moment? In the UK, there's the rising cost of living, there's high inflation versus low wages, mortgage rates, rents are going up more than salaries. People are working multiple jobs and still having to use food banks or having to decide whether to feed themselves and their family or to stay warm. And the list goes on and on. I'm sure that we all know people who are suffering in one way or another right now and maybe you'd even count yourself among them. So this parable, a man goes on a journey, he gets beaten up and he needs help. He's suffering. Three men travel past him. There's the priest and the Levite. Both of them were part of the religious elite of the day. So you'd think that those would be the ones to see the suffering and stop to help. But they both saw the man in distress and carried on. These were the people who could have justifiably been expected to offer assistance, but instead they chose to cross over to the other side of the road to avoid helping. So not only did they not help, but they went out of their way to not help. And then there was the Samaritan. We've already mentioned there was open hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. Samaritans were hated foreigners. They were considered inferior in every way by the Jews. So the Samaritan in this story had every reason to just pass on by the wounded Jew, but he chose to respond differently. He chose compassion. Not a wishy-washy, soft and cuddly kind of compassion, but a radical, courageous compassion. The kind of compassion I believe we're called to show everyone, especially our enemies what is compassion? Well, compassion crosses social barriers. As Jesus illustrates by using the Samaritan, there should be no racial, religious, national, gender barriers to showing compassion. Love and compassion should know no boundaries. Compassion is willing to take risks. The Samaritan took a great risk by stopping to help. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem was a 17 mile journey and it was well known for its danger. The cultural equivalent today would be potentially someone like myself down a dark alley. That's the equivalent of what was going on here. The road was hazardous. And actually at the time the Samaritan came across the wounded man, the robbers may have still been lurking nearby or there might have been other bandits who might have been just about to come past. So the Samaritan put his own safety at risk in stopping to help. Unlike the priest and the Levite who just scurried away as quickly as they could, they weren't willing to put themselves in harm's way for the sake of a stranger. They cared more about their own safety and comfort. And for someone who was so clearly in need of help. Compassion is willing to set aside busy schedules. The Samaritan was on a journey, he had somewhere to go. Maybe he was on a tight deadline, but he took the time to stop and personally care for the man. And we'll think about that in some more detail shortly, but just consider for a moment, when was the last time you set aside something you were doing? to help someone in need. And I don't mean coming to the end of the thing that you were doing and then going to help. I mean setting aside something for the sake of someone else's needs. That challenges me and I hope it challenges you too. We're all so busy these days. We have bulging diaries, barely a moment to breathe. seems to be a 21st century thing. We find ourselves having to plan in leisure time, like meeting up with friends. This has to happen weeks in advance so that we don't clash with anything and everything else that's going on in our lives. But Jesus taught us to take time to show compassion, even if we're forced to. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, it says, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. The first mile may have been forced, but the second mile is the one to be given out of love. Compassion is willing to make sacrifices. The Samaritan sacrificed more than just his time and energy. He bandaged the man's wounds. He poured on oil and wine, first aid of the day. And so he also used his own provisions to meet the man's needs. And then he took the man on his own donkey to an inn, which was a place of safety and comfort. And he possibly had to go out of his way to do that. We don't know. And I used to think that the Samaritan then just left the man at the inn and went on his way. And that is eventually what happened. But when I read the story more carefully, what I noticed was the Samaritan actually spent time personally caring for the man, getting him through those critical first hours. Verse 34 says, he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The Samaritan then spent the night caring for the man. And we read in verse 35 that the next day he gave the innkeeper the equivalent of two days wages, which would have been enough to allow the man to stay at the inn probably for several weeks. And then as if he hadn't already done enough for the Samaritan, For the man, the Samaritan told the innkeeper to keep a tab of any additional expenses and promised to cover the cost on his return. Just let that sink in for a moment. The extent of the sacrifice that Samaritan made for this stranger, someone whom he'd never met, whom he should have felt nothing but hatred and resentment. How many of us would be willing to make such a sacrifice, even for people we count as friends? Jesus taught his disciples to be willing to make sacrifices. Luke 6, verse 29 and 30. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Of course, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross. So it's not surprising that he would expect us to sacrifice something as part of our discipleship to him. The 400-year-old hymn, As I Survey the Wondrous Cross, a hymn all about Jesus' sacrifice for us, illustrates this idea perfectly with its final two lines. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Being a follower of Jesus should cost us something, but it should be a sacrifice we're willing to make and not one we're resentful of. So the Samaritan chose compassion He didn't allow religious, racial or national barriers to hinder him. He was willing to take risks. He set aside his own schedule and he made sacrifices in coming to the aid of the injured man. And what else can we learn from this parable for our own lives? Firstly, don't ignore the need. The Samaritan was moved with pity When he saw the man left for dead on the side of the road. He saw him but he didn't close his eyes to the need. The priest and the Levite also saw the man but both chose to ignore the need that was so clear. The man was left on the side of the road half dead. No one could have mistakenly thought he was just having a rest jesus was really good at seeing the need and showing compassion matthew nine thirty six. when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them luke 10 verse 20 which is part of the prodigal son story that nigel shared with us a couple of weeks ago while he was still a long way off his father saw him and had compassion on him loving god with all our heart soul strength and mind means allowing him to touch our emotions and fill us with compassion, so that when we see brokenness, the love of Christ will rise up within us, causing us to respond rather than retreat. (coughs) This means we will have to make sacrifices, to take risks, to break down barriers, but this is what we're called to do. It's how we're called to live and to love others. We should not cross the road to avoid the need, but we should be marching right up to it. The only thing we should be ignoring is our own doubts and inconvenience. Secondly, we should take action. It wasn't enough to see the need and have pity. The Samaritan chose to do something, to take action to meet the need that he saw. It's one thing to have faith, but faith without deeds is not enough. James chapter 2 is quite clear about this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The Samaritan showed compassion through his actions. He didn't just show some sympathy that the man had been so badly injured and then walk away. He was aware of the danger and the inconvenience, but he reached out anyway. Proverbs 21 verse 13 warns us that whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor, will also cry out and not be answered. There's a great saying that you've probably heard, if you can be the answer to someone's prayer, then you should do it instead of praying. So for example, if you knew there was a single mother who needed money to pay for school shoes, and you had the money, then you should give the money instead of asking God to provide the money for the school shoes. Praying is great. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray, but sometimes action is what is needed. So this parable teaches us that we are to show radical, courageous compassion to people, even and maybe especially to those we don't like. We're to go out of our way for people, to take risks and make sacrifices when we see a need. The Good Samaritan did not allow the differences between himself and the injured man to get in the way of offering healing and restoration. He was willing to cross political, racial, cultural and social barriers, risk prejudices and the fear of the unknown because he saw someone with a need and he had the resources to meet that need. Through his actions, he brought healing and restoration where there had been brokenness and despair. He brought hope where there had only been hopelessness. With the parable of the Good Samaritan, we're challenged to a higher standard of love. We're challenged to a definition of neighbor that is more inclusive. We are challenged to a definition of compassion that is more radical and courageous. Thinking back to the start of this message, when we were thinking about all the suffering in the world right now, it would be easy to feel rather overwhelmed and wonder, what can I possibly do to help when faced with so much need? The Samaritan started with the need right in front of him, with the person closest to him. Mother Teresa once said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. So let's not ignore the needs under our very noses, in our local communities, in our neighbourhoods, our streets, our physical neighbours. Maybe you know of people who are struggling financially, you have the means to help them. Maybe you've time to volunteer at a food bank or to offer companionship to a lonely person. Maybe you have a particular skill or ability that would be useful to a community group. Yes, you might have to make sacrifices. You might need to step out of your comfort zone. You might need to take risks. You might need to use your own resources, but these small actions can make huge differences in people's lives. Whatever actions we take, whether they're large or small, let's do them all with great love and compassion, just as Jesus taught us. Amen.